So hello and welcome to Journey to Fatherhood podcast. Listen, I know it's been a while, but I thought why not start it with a wonderful guest. Before I even start to say his name and before I start to introduce him, I just want you to know that this guy is the latest father on the block, but we're going to get into that. The reason why I'm so excited about this is because it, it shows, I, I was sent him a message saying that I love the way that they did it. They did it the right way and there's so much more into it. There's so much more into the reason why I'm happy about that. But without further ado, our guest today, Phil Osai, the wonderful husband, father, and you know, entrepreneur in every single way, creative arts, all of that. He's the most humble guy. I've been to one of his shows and he's very <laughs> humble. But if you knew the amount of work he puts in, you realize that he he should be boasting more. But I guess he's got that spirit of humility. But yeah, Phil, thank you so much for coming on the podcast in such short notice. It's amazing to have you. What would you like to say and anything else you'd like to introduce yourself at? Uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, uh, yeah, just say I'm Phil. Like sometimes I go by filmmaker, um, Phil Osai on all socials. Um, yeah, but beyond that, yeah, that's it really. I'm quite easy. Like everyone said he's quite easy. Okay. <laughs> so th- this is what I don't, I think I've, we met the first time I met you was when we were still in university. Um, when I was still in university with David, um, thank God. In 2015, I think I came over for a sleepover at his. I came to a church event and I saw you uh, there. Uh, and it was only later that I started realizing the work you do, creative arts and things like that. Uh, Let's start with that in terms of I've always known you active. It's just I, we didn't talk that much. Uh, I've seen you over the time. How were you able to stay? diligent in terms of what you were doing because a lot of people go into the creative arts it's a very tough industry uh, but to be consistently doing it for a couple of years and not only just doing it but building something big with it how uh, did you keep that going um i'd say my motivations honestly my motivations have changed over the years so mm-hmm. there was even there was like there's even a time when i decided that i'll just quit um because um yeah, because not, not that it was like getting too much, but it was just like, there's other priorities in my life. I, I, let me focus on these things. Um, and if I come back to this, then great. If I don't, then it is what it is. Um, but yeah, there, there were early times when, maybe like around the time, like 2015, like there were times when like being a filmmaker and making films and doing anything creative really consumed me to the point where mm. I felt like if I'm not doing it, I don't really have value. Um, and, t- and so after that, things started to change and I realized, I'm only doing this because I love doing this. So I used I remember hearing quotes like, what would you do if um if money wasn't an option and uh, and yeah, like what would you be doing? For me, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, honestly, I can honestly say I would be making films because that's something that I care about the most. Um, one of the things I care about the most. So um I'd say, yeah, the motivations have changed over the years. Um, mm. and that's how I'm able to stay active, um, especially as your priorities change. I feel like if your motivations don't change as your par- um, as your priorities change and your paradigms change then I, I think the goal might be too selfish if this, if that makes sense um because I, I, the way I see it when you're making a film you're not really making it for you this is this is my view you're not making it for you I don't, I don't see any of my films as a vanity project I see them as um me trying to tell a story to someone else so someone else can be affected by it in 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 a way where if I want to make them laugh if I want to make them um experience love or if I want to make them feel something else like I see my films as something to give to people. So yeah, I say my motivations have changed over the years, but right now I'm at a place where I'm making films simply just because I want to make films. I just love making films. I respect that. I completely respect that. I like, I like the 
what you were talking about in terms of motivation. You mentioned something very interesting there, identity. Uh. And this just leads perfectly into the, what I wanted to kind of ask you, because obviously as young men, we're in a position where we've gone through our childhood, gone through teenagehood, and was becoming men, there's a lot of responsibilities, a lot of things we attach our identity to. So uh-huh. you said something very interesting that most people don't might miss. You said that it got to a point where your identity was, you almost felt like if you weren't doing movies, you, weren't, you didn't have your value or your value, you, did, you weren't of high value. Yeah. And it's something that really comes down to a lot of what men struggle with. I feel everyone struggles with it, associating mm-hmm. what they do with who they are. Mm-hmm. In terms of that, being a man, which is what you are, Mm-hmm. How has that also shaped you in terms of from childhood understanding what a man is for you, specifically for you, and what that entails? Um, well, I'll I touch on quickly the, um, the, the correlation between your value and what you actually do. I think we still live in a society, um, as much as things have progressed, we still live in a society where, you know, a guy is seen as a provider and their value is placed on what they can bring to the table. Um, yeah uh in relationships and a lot of things it's like you 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 learn very early on that this world is not going to do you any favors just because you're a guy or whatever you got to go out there and create your value so yeah. i think i think where a lot of people a lot of guys um live by that it's like it's, it's kind of expected it's like if you the world is telling you listen if you ain't if you ain't got anything then we're not going to rate you type thing um but i'd say that how how it shaped me as a man i think um my like my parents split up when I when I was a kid, and I was basically raised by my mum. But I, I went to go see my dad here and there. But I would like to say that my biggest impressions of being a man came from the type of stuff I watched, which it also like comes into my like origin story of being a filmmaker. I love that. <laughs> like um, in case of stuff I watched, so Michael Cal from My and Kids, I'd say he's my TV dad. Uh, Uncle Phil, TV dad. So I, I adopted TV dads um, over the years. And, yeah. I'm, and basically, I would say that I began to model myself as a man off of those TV dads that I saw, uh, which obviously can be a fantasy sometimes, you know, because uh, obviously it is TV. But I'd say for the most part, that's what I modeled myself off of. Um, so I, and then also like the, um, the biblical aspect as well. Um, you know, they went into the Bible when it, um, when it talks about the man's role in, that, in uh, a husband's role in the house and the man's role in, in, in the home and everything. Um, and then like, yeah, protection, leadership and all that stuff and being a spiritual covering of your family and everything. I, I'd say all of that is an amalgamation of who I am today, which I'm still trying to figure out. Like, I'm not going to add a height. I've got all the answers. But um, I'd say, yeah, you, you know, it's you, you grew up in this world being told that your value is based on what you can bring to the table. Yeah. But then I feel like you don't have to just take it take it like that you could take that i feel like your value is still going to be a, what you bring to the table but it can also be you know the other things that you bring it doesn't have to just be like tangible assets like um or something material like it could be other things as well so i say i i have become an amalgamation of that my tv dad and what the bible says about what it means what it means to be a man i like that i really like the way you put that but now now i want to ask you like i think you, you if someone had to follow you exactly it's a lot of it's a lot of standards because bro real respect to you honestly great respect to you and i think it's one of those things from the outside i like to observe people and then uh, that way when i start to speak to them i know who i'm speaking to and what their values are 
uh-huh. I've had the most respect for you since 20, I think 2016 during second year when I started looking on your wow. Instagram page and seeing what you were doing. And wow. you used to talk about how Room 113 came about, remembering, because um, I'm sure you know about Room 116 with mm-hmm. Cray and the rest of the rest mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. And I've followed your journey on, on the side. And it's amazing to see what people are consistently doing. Mm. And it's amazing you also said the examples that you had with your TV dad. TV dad. Mm-hmm. Now, my relationship with those that have been listening to the podcast, my dad has been present, but not present. Mm-hmm. My dad's currently in Nigeria, and it's been like that for years. But I'm interested to know that the fact that you were able to still see your dad frequently or from time to time, what was that relationship like whilst you were growing, also knowing that you had role models from shows that you really admired? What was your relationship with your dad? I think I'm a, I'm a middle kid, yeah. So I've got like two older siblings um, okay. and a couple half siblings. My dad was promiscuous. He was out here in these streets. Um, so I, a lot of my oldest, um, a lot of my, a lot of my siblings are older than me. I only have one younger sibling. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I was wise enough from a young age to watch what my dad was doing to them and watch mm-hmm. how, watch their interactions and then choose whether I want that or not. You see what I'm saying? Okay. So um I think I was like the only one out of all my siblings who continually, even to this day, wants to be physically around my dad, right? Um, and, it, and it's not its not even a thing where like, I just desire his affection. I, I just genuinely think that the there's an important connection between a father and a son, even if the father isn't the best example of a father, I think that there's an important connection there um, that I'm still exploring. Um, but I, I'd say that, when when in terms of like looking to my dad as a role model that wasn't that was never the case like when I tell you my parents broke up I like um had a very rough divorce at like when I was seven years old by the time it came to looking for role models I knew for from the jump that my dad is not going to be the best example of a role model so I never looked at my dad to be a role model even though I still think a man should be a role model to other men or at least um at least their son do you see what I'm saying Mm. um so I, I always kept my TV dads as my role models, which um, I guess it kind of sounds a bit sad when you when you put when I put no, it in this context. It, it's, it's an it's an approach that some people don't think about. Yeah, you know, like we 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 taking a lot of content, um, especially this new generation. They're taking a lot of content. I I I just sat and watched TV, and I realized that this is what I want. Like I was watching my wife and kids, uh, Fresh Prince. I was watching um, a lot of family based sitcoms uh, mm. on TV, realizing that. Or not realizing at the time is that I'm looking at what I want in my life, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, so I, I never, I never looked at my dad to be a role model um, as a father, but you know, I still, I still wanted him in my life. I still wanted him around. Um, I still wanted to have a connection with him. But yeah, my my role models were strictly just my TV dads um, in terms of you know looking to someone as a man. I think you, you're just making me. I'm just thinking so many things about the scenes and my wife and kids and friends. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking to myself, maybe I watched it too much because my hairline's about to turn into both of theirs. <laughs> and it's been moving like that for, the, <laughs> for a couple of years. But one thing I really, I'm just interested to also know, what's one, mem- one memory that you remember from, I guess we can go into two ways. I want to see your perspective and how you describe it as a filmmaker as well. One scene that stands out for you, you from My Wife and Kids and one from Fresh Prince. The scene that stands out for me from My Wife and Kids is when... Claire got in trouble for something. I can't remember where it was. I think she either snuck out or she took the car 
Yeah, I think he was he was meant to teach her how to drive. Um, Michael Michael was meant to teach yeah, her how to drive. Uh... And she took the car um, uh, without without him knowing. And then he sat her down in the kitchen and had a talk with her and said that he's not going to punish her. And do you know when I saw that, I was just like, that is a clear example of God's grace. Like he Ooh. he had an opportunity to punish her, and he didn't punish her. And she it was so it was so much so the guilt was so much that she wanted to be punished. And it's not like I would take joy in my child. It's not like I'd say I'll take joy in my child wanting to be punished. But I saw that scene. I was like, I've 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 just watched like two or two or so seasons of Michael Cowell taking joy and punishing his kids. And when there was an opportunity to like really crack down because a kid did something really really bad, I'm just he he didn't he didn't want to. So that that's what stands out for me is the fact that like the 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 iron fist approach when it comes to like your your kids isn't always necessary, like you could you can handle things another way and i remember i remember watching that and then seeing the way like my parents handled me or seeing the way other parents handled their children and i just remember becoming very critical of the continual approach that <laughs> nigerians are going to hate me but nigerians have towards their children when it comes to punishment and rearing their kids like there there are other ways to do things and i think that's what that's what really stood out to me in that scene of my and kids for fresh prince um, I think it was, it's, it's, you know, one of the most famous episodes when Will's dad, uh, comes, yeah. um, it's the, why don't he love me? Uh, um, why, why don't he want me? I was crying. Me? The first time hey. I watched that, I was crying. Hey. I'm not yeah, even going to lie big man. I'm, I was <laughs> crying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that scene there. Um, for me, it wasn't, it wasn't Will's dad, um, that I was looking at. It was Uncle Phil that I was looking at, um, mm. and how he handled that scenario because, he was fuming at the fact, like for that, for the majority of the episode, he was fuming at the fact that, like you know, uh, Will's dad hasn't been this whole time. And he wants to come in and act like everything's calm and everything's good, and it's like you haven't been here this whole time. And he was angry, but then there was a point where he listened to his wife um, and decided to put his anger on the back burner and go, "Look, Will is desiring a relationship with his father. You should take a back seat here and let and see what happens." Basically, obviously, it didn't go go as planned, but you this uh, for me that was a noteworthy moment to go sometimes your desires for your family could be so pure but sometimes you need to know when to step back and just be like this is what you want all right let's see if we can let's let's see what let's see what can happen here or let, let's let's make room for this because your your own desires for your family like although you could be the head of the home you could be the leader you could be the spiritual um priest of your home sometimes you need to take a step back and just be like all right, let's see what's going to happen here. Let's see what's going on. Like you could lead from the back. You can take, take your wife's instructions or your, the woman in your life's instructions. But I think that there was very poignant for me. The fact that um, he, he decided to take um, Viv's words and just be like, all right, cool. Let me see what happens. And then obviously when things didn't go, go to plan, he didn't sit there and say, I told you so to Will. He said, basically said, come and cry on my shoulder. And then we have one of the most iconic moments in TV ever that wasn't scripted, which is fantastic. Yeah, I've read when I read up of that the fact that it was actually yeah, I was like, hats off yeah. to them. Yeah, yeah. but that, that, those two those two moments, like I mean, there's so many more, but like yeah, those two moments stood out for me the most. Listen, they should add not even just filmmaker; it should be Phil the preacher as well. If you have another social media handle, boy, I preach sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. Listen, yeah, I saw a picture <laughs> of you. I think David posted it a while ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. delivering a sermon. So already. <laughs> But I, I'm, yeah. really, I'm really interested in what you said in the first one mm. about the way parents discipline and the way mm-hmm. they punish or reward and things like that. 
Mm-hmm. And it's it's very interesting that you got that out of it. I think what also going on in terms of that same scene, I was I found it almost funny the way the girl was saying, please punish. She was almost like saying, just don't ignore me. I just want you to punish mm-hmm. me. But it wasn't that he was completely ignoring her. He was still being, he was there. Mm-hmm. He didn't, unfortunately, like most parents do, is when they get tired of punishing, they give you the silent treatment and don't do anything. Uh, but there was a lesson being learned all through that and there wasn't any abandonment or separation he was still uh-huh. there ready for her to come and actually understand and i love how you link that to the relationship we have with god the father and it just got me now thinking like so phil as a young teenager uh-huh. a young teenage phil what was that like oh boy um oh, boy, it, it, yeah, okay as in as in like holistically or is there any like specific area that you want me to touch on in terms of dealing with the reality of guess not having a present father in a house and also in terms of also how that shaped how you viewed life because i think okay. you made a great point in terms of how you had role models online on tv role model um, father figures but i just want to know even in spite of that, in a day-to-day, how were you able to still stay true to yourself without being angry and letting the anger turn to so many things where we have young people that, as a result of that anger, going to st- go to the streets and so many things like that? How did you stay straight? Um, so I had, like, anger management um, issues when I, was, when I was a kid. I mean, it could probably been because of the fallout of my parents' divorce. Um, but I had a lot of anger management issues, but they, those, t- um, it kind of got... I say that rounded up like really, really quickly for me. Um, So I wasn't as much of an angry kid anymore. Um, But when I was a teenager, I'd I'd say that I found myself seeking wisdom, like and seeking information and knowledge a lot. Like I wasn't necessarily interested in academia. Like I really couldn't care less about school. And even looking back, I still think the school system is kind of weird and silly. But (laughs) I, (laughs) I found myself... I just wanted to consume as much information as uh, as possible as possible. So there was a there was a point when I was an atheist for a bit um, okay. because I found information that um, I, I you know that sat right with me at the time. There was a point when I was like I was Muslim for a week, um, and then like there was a time when I was agnostic. I think I spent a lot of my um, teenage with being agnostic, but still being present in the church, but mm. being agnostic um, and just trying to figure stuff out. But ultimately, I I think what I was searching for is leadership guidance and wisdom type thing which i wasn't necessarily getting from my home because you know my my mom was a single mom of four and you can't really i mean as a middle kid middle kids tend to get i guess um lost in the in in the in the whole raising of children if if that makes sense like my oldest i had an older brother um, who was the oldest in the house then i had an older sister who basically becomes like a second mom then I have a, a younger sister and then there's me. And I think for me, um, I found myself seeking wisdom, knowledge, leadership, guidance, all of that as a teenager. Um, I, had, I had a bunch of health issues. So my mom was like, therefore, like, uh, she was definitely vigilant. I, I like she, she ignored me. She was definitely vigilant. But like, I did find myself seeking wisdom and knowledge and everything. So I found myself searching for it in a lot of different places. Um, good to my mom. She kept me off the streets because um, that could have easily been me because I grew up in yeah. Stockwell for my teenagehood, um, which was a very bad place at the time. And yeah, I just found myself seeking wisdom. Um, and I, by the grace of God, I attached myself to some very wise people who taught me about like apologetics 
Um, so when I learned about apologetics and theology, yeah. that's how I kind of found my way back to Christ. Um, and um, yeah, and then that that kind of took me into like university. And then as soon as I came out of university, I was basically a changed man. Like I, you could say it's like a when in the caterpillar came out a butterfly type thing. Um, but I say for my teenagehood, I just found myself seeking a lot of what I feel like a father could have provided for me if, the, mm-hmm. if a father was within my household and present and actually wanted to be around. And, you know, like having a relationship with my dad now as an adult, I don't blame him for any of that stuff. Like mm-hmm. I blame him to, to a certain extent. I know what's happened, Manny is like, I know where his faults and his follies are. But I think it's, I think it's a tough one for men in this country, especially when it comes to family court and everything. I do feel like a lot of men, when it comes to fighting for custody of kids and everything, they just feel defeated so they don't bother anyway because they know that everything's skewed towards uh, mothers and women anyway. Uh, whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. Don't really care. I just know that, you know, I, c- I could almost see it in my dad's face sometimes that he just felt defeated, um, which could probably contribute to the why he was wasn't that much of a present father. But yeah, I don't, I don't hold I don't I don't hold a grudge against him anymore. I'm just like I'm kind of focused on what type of relationship we have now, if that makes sense. But right. yeah, I'd say his his lack of presence left me wanting leadership, guidance, and everything. I just by God's by God's grace, I found it in the right places eventually. Uh, I really that is that is amazing stuff and I think um, what I really like the fact that you kind of should the reason why I wanted to ask this is because I think sometimes people see the end product and think yeah this guy must have had it all right he must have had it good and things like that so with everyone that's doing well the reason why I observe people is that I want to see levels of vulnerability and consistency and the reason why I'm happy that you said that is because I think so many people, when they what you, with what you said earlier about how you still stayed in touch, it's easy for people to say, well, he forgave his dad easily. It was easy for him. He didn't have any consequences of it. It was just easy. Uh, but it's uh, not like that. And I'm happy uh, you made that clear because now it takes me on to what's amazing, bro. When I saw that you got married, I was like, levels. Yeah, yeah. Listen, the way, like, it's a, I don't I guess because we don't talk we haven't we haven't really talked that much but mm. when I saw those things I was like this guy is doing it mm. this guy is actually doing it and now that brings me to this next question in terms of forming relationships with mm-hmm. your wife right now and the mother of your wonderful child mm-hmm. how did that how were you able to how did that start and how did you maintain that all the way up until marriage okay um a big heavy one but let's see how much yeah yeah <laughs> Do you, know, do you know what's interesting about that? Because it's not the first time I've experienced the like, um, wow, I can't believe you're married type thing. Um, I when, when like before I got married, I genuinely had no other desire but to be married. In, um, like when I was like 16, I wanted to be married by like 22. So as far as I'm concerned, I, I was late. <laughs> by 22, I wanted to be married when I was when I was when I was 16. That's a year uh, after uni. <laughs> I, I, maybe I don't know what I was thinking. I just knew that. I didn't want to be out here wasting time uh, okay. dating bare people uh, just to see what's what. Do you know what I mean? As far as I'm concerned, marriage wasn't a destination. It was another journey. So I was like, let's just start a journey. Do you know what, do you know what I'm saying? Um, but I, I think, again, just like my motivations for being a filmmaker, my motivations for marriage were, they were different in the beginning. Um, originally, I wanted to get married to prove my parents wrong. I wanted to prove my parents to, to my parents that, you can have a successful marriage um, okay. and stay in it and be happy. Like marriage doesn't have to look like what you guys have presented. 
Um, and then by the grace of God, uh, I got rid of that. And that's when around that time, that's when I met um, my now wife, Darren. So with Darren, it was um when I when I came across Darren, I oh, you love When I came across Darren, I'll, I'll be I'll be honest. I, I had I had a God complex. Um, so I'd say that the, it probably, it probably again, stems from like the destruction of my parents' marriage. But mm. I, I had this feeling that I needed to control everything that concerns me because I didn't want to be blindsided the way I was as a kid. As a kid, I thought everything was fine and honky-dory. Turns out my parents were unhappy this whole time and, they, and then they, everything just crumbled, right? Mm. So I wanted to control everything around me. Um, so I used to like figure out ways to you know talk to girls, um, uh, hook up artists, and see what they what they do. Uh, figure out how to get into the mind of a woman. So I spent a lot of my university time researching women and listening to women and understanding what women want in terms of conversation, and everything. Um, but when I met Darren, it, things were a bit different because she just wasn't what I was expecting. Um, she was a bit different, so I had to switch up my motives. Um, but there was a time when um, I, I, I like I, I always liked her. But it was a time when I didn't want to like her because I knew that me me continuing. Her. I know, I know, it's crazy, it's crazy. I don't get me wrong; her. she weren't she weren't feeling me the whole time. Like, I'm not gonna act like she was feeling me the whole time. She wasn't. Um, but there was a time, there was a point where I didn't want to like her because I knew that continuing to like her meant that I had to change everything about not everything, but a lot of who I am in terms of having a god complex and wanting to control stuff. Because this is clearly someone who is different from everything that I had um, learned before in terms about women and everything. Uh, she was very specific, um, and she was she had a very she had a very close relationship with God. She was very um, very much after God's heart. So, yeah, I knew that I had to change. So because of that, I didn't I didn't want to change. I was comfortable with who I was, so I didn't want to like her. Um, and then I I, 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 I think there's a point. Boy, it didn't work because I still liked her. Um, <laughs> but there, there came a point where I just kind of thought, um, I think it was it might have been a Michael Todd sermon that I had watched. Um, transformation like, Church, right? Yeah, Transformation. So uh, he, there's, a, there's a picture of like a triangle and in the bottom left corner, it's you. In the bottom right corner, it's her. And in the top is God. And it's like, in order to get closer to, you two to get closer together, you have to get closer to God. So basically you have to go up the triangle. And basically what I decided that, um for the help of some friends as well like what i decided that um is that i would just void any talk any sort of thought of marriage or uh, trying to have a girlfriend or especially darren and i'll just try to get closer to god and lo and behold I, as in doing so i got closer to darren and then things kind of picked up from there um so we were friends for a while then i proposed and then we got married lost we got married in november it's 2020 really, <laughs> We got married in November 2020. Um, we day? wanted to have a wedding, but um, uh, the fourth. We wanted to have a no, not fourth. So, is it all my days? Oh my Jeez. days! No, Someone no, you spun this part out. No, the, the reason why. The reason, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine with being, with being confusing. I can explain why it's confusing. Is because um, we 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 wanted to have a wedding, but then lockdown happened, so our plans kept getting moved yeah. and changed, and we were going to get married in our church. So. It wasn't like we kept having set dates. We were able to move the dates around. But um, yeah, we got married in November. So we had like a registry and a small blessing with our family. And then we had like a, a, um, a wedding in, uh, was it June this year? Oh, damn, I'm frazzled. Um, I think it's like June this year. My mind's gone blank, but I think it's like June this year. Um, 
Yeah, that's where I had like a pictures. problem. Your groomsmen, yeah. you guys were looking fly. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we, we, we got married. So basically, we, there's there's several dates. There, there are several dates. We can actually pick our anniversary. That's how crazy it is. Um, but if you were to ask me off, like if you were to ask me when I'm not on a podcast, I'll be like, oh yeah, that's the date. But it's, it's, it's escaped my mind right <laughs> now. You can text but... it to me, and I'll just <laughs> like you said that in the top. <laughs> but yeah, um, and then yeah, we 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 just had a child. Um, two weeks ago or three weeks ago um november yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so we just had a child three weeks ago um on the 18th of november that's when we had our child so as you can see we got married in november i had a child in november all the dates are quite mad in it but yeah and they're in my calendar i, like I don't have to rem- I, like that I don't have to remember i'm not gonna act like i can remember everything <laughs> do you know what i mean like they're, they're in my calendar just, that's the most it's both of them are november in it so uh, yeah that yeah. helps yeah but that's the, that's that's pretty much it really but it's interesting because you said you guys were friends for a while, but mm-hmm. I always ask this question. I guess it depends on who it is and what your relationship is like. How long do you stay? I know it sounds very mundane, but how long is the friendship for? Or should the friendship last before you decide to take to the next step? The reason I was asking that is whilst you were friends, did there come a point that you started dating? Or were you friends? Or were you dating? I'm trying to understand how you kind of decided okay it was time as far as i'm concerned yeah mm. in my head i was in a relationship with her before she was in a relationship with me so weird. in my head yeah we were dating okay. not like um boyfriend and girlfriend but yeah. i was just like i i do you know what i mean as far as i'm concerned this is the only person i want to be speaking to if mm. that makes sense um so i think it's quite arbitrary i think it's actually i think it's quite subjective in a way where it's like depends on what type of relationship you guys had before you were even friends like if you were if you've been friends since you were kids, I don't see any reason for you guys to act like you're still trying to be friends. If you're actually just trying to be, if you're trying to be in a relationship, exactly. I don't think there's any reason. Yeah. Um, but, you know, some people want to be friends so that they can vet you, so that they can see what's up because you know they might have had past hurts from other people, and I feel like you have to respect that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't have everything on your time. Um, but I, I, I don't see. I think it's, if if we're talking Christians. You're, you're meant to be courting you're not meant to be really be in a relationship anyway so basically you're just meant to be in a relationship with the purpose of getting married so i'm just like if you both have that type of mindset what are you waiting for do you know what i mean like i know i know some people want to have some other things in order like um i want to have a house so i want to have a certain job i want to have xyz um i understand that but in the grand scheme of things it's not that necessary to have a marriage it's just a preference so if that's what you want to do fine but I personally don't put that much weight on um, friendships if you guys know you want to be in a relationship. Like, just just might as well just start it type thing. But I, I do feel like um, you should respect people's boundaries and just be like, okay, if they want to remain friends, this is what you're going to have to do. And if you if you don't want to remain friends with them while they want to remain friends with you, then you've got to weigh that up and just be like, whether you want to still do this type thing. But I think it's always, like, case by case, each to their own. Okay. I like that. What do you what do you think? Sorry? What do you think? Honestly, it's been a couple because that's what have <laughs> got me speechless now, man. <laughs> Can't be doing this on my podcast, mate. Um, <laughs> I'm still I'm <laughs> it's a tough one. I've been what I've I've over the years, for so for example, like myself, when I was 16, I said. So the reason why I was laughing about you saying 22, my plan was to come out of uni, find someone in uni, come out of uni, get married. So we'll graduate 
and do our um, graduation. Uh-huh. And a few months later, we'll get married, buy a house, start a career together. I wanted uh-huh. to build with whoever I was, was going to date. But over the time, I think I was just very... Earlier, earlier as a teenager, I was very cynical. So when I was uh-huh. talking to people, I didn't want to... I was, it was almost like I was trying to find out all the flaws. And I, I focused more on reasons why it wouldn't work than why uh-huh. it would work. Uh-huh. So I never really went across... I never really took it, things to the next stage of, let's say, okay, let's court or let's date or anything like that so my friends used to laugh at me especially david and all of them <laughs> laugh at me because they thought in university uh, i used to speak to a lot of people because i used to run a society basketball and things like that so i used to talk to a lot of people and there was always an sometimes with my naivety i didn't know when i crossed the boundaries mm. because for me i've always been one that i just want to help people so mm-hmm. we end up they end up becoming vulnerable and talking about all the things they're going through and so many times people's people kind of thought I had different intentions when uh-huh. I didn't, when it was just simply me wanting to help. Uh-huh. So this is why for me, in terms of dating, answering your question about running around, um, uh-huh. when it comes to the period, I think it comes down to communication. Because uh-huh. I've always, my brother and I, my older brother and I, there's five of us, I'm the third. We always had this conversation. We all, my immediate older brother, we always had this joke where it was like, I'm not looking for a wifey. Why the why? It's not a question. I'm looking for a wife. So it's it's one of those things where it's cute saying wifey and all that, but uh, listen, uh-huh. it's about intentionality. So uh-huh. if I am speaking to someone, the plan is to speak, of course, making sure that we're not clear, but I can't give a timeline. But for me, I've told myself, if I start dating someone, it, it's for marriage. It's not dating. I, I don't want to have exes. I think that's probably why I've never been in a relationship. And I know it could be a very little, small-minded way. People told me that you need, how are you going to know what you want unless you actually try it? But that could be, that could lead to so many troubles. And this heart, as much as I look strong outside, this heart is a soft heart, boy. Mm. So it's one of those things where people look at it as a fear of being hurt. But I also look at it, I just, I just want to get the, you can't get it perfect. So in terms of time frame, if I start speaking to someone and I see potential, intentionalities for marriage immediately but uh-huh. it's not a time frame if it if it works if i find someone six months it, it's a matter of agreement making sure families around uh-huh. put a date to it so uh-huh. i'm not too caught up in two years three years because i'm turning 26 next week and um i was uh-huh. going to be married two years ago three years ago uh-huh. so, uh-huh. I no, no, I, I, I hear that yeah, yeah yeah definitely 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 because um like I, I see like all, all the different ways people get married, like whether be it arranged marriage, be mm. it, um, you know, dating for two weeks and getting married. My older sister was dating her husband for like, I, don't, I think, was it? I mean, sorry, they were courting for like three months or something like that. Then they got married. Uh, How for long me, did it was they like, know each other in general? Um, not long. Actually, I think they, I think it was, I think they were engaged for like six months, but they were, I think they knew each other for like a couple months before like it wasn't long basically um for me it was like two years of being um being engaged um so no sorry no i think we were in relation for like two years and then um uh, i we got engaged so it's like relation all these all these like relationships and everything and you know courting and dating and getting married there's no there's no paradigm and there's no there's no way in which you can do this that ensures it will work out 
because mm. it can fail in every single circumstance. And as much as like, about it, as much as um, it's going to sound easy to say, but because of the fact that it can fail in every single circumstance, you really shouldn't worry too tough about trying to control everything. And obviously this is me not saying this because I've yeah, grown. Like, I'm, Cause I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to have control of everything anymore. So like, because it can, because I know, I know it can end in any scenario, no matter what I do, it, it, there's a possibility of it, of it ending. I'm not too worried about trying to control every aspect of it. I'm just worried about trying to do my best. And then mm-hmm. I think, that, I think it's, it's another thing of like treating your relationship like an organism itself. So, you know, like some, a lot of, a lot of times people come into relationships as two individuals, which you, you, you continue to be, you're two individuals. Um, but then they remain two individuals when in a relationship and they just come together for certain things. Mm-hmm. But you need to be two individuals and then treat your relationship like an organism itself. As in, like, what are we doing that's good for the relationship? Uh, uh, in terms of having one mind um, alignment, you don't have to agree, but you have to align eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, life goals and plans and financial goals and plans, habits, all that stuff. You have to treat your relationship like an organism. And if, it, if, if going from one stage to the next quicker than other people or what, is typically done is required for your relationship then go for it like, i don't think there's one way of doing things because it can no matter which way you do it it can all end up bad anyway so yeah damn i feel like you're i feel like i'm on your podcast right now Lord. that's <laughs> making me think so much and yeah but it's true because it's only recently that i've been i've just been looking at it. a lot of my friends are getting married some engaged and it's one of those things where it's no longer a pressure. It's more so me asking myself, okay, so what am I doing? Mm-hmm. What's my mindset? What's my approach towards this? Because granted, like for myself, of course, financial stability is a big factor for me. But I, over the time, it's about me just trusting God. Lately, I've just been saying, God, you can do anything and everything in any way. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's an amazing discussion to have because it's taken years, boy. It's taken years mm-hmm. for me to get to a point where I'm like, Hey, do you know what Chinadum actually start talking start actually being a, actually open up and be open to actually having these conversations for the right people and not being so scared about the worst case scenario exactly so, yeah it's I think it's also interesting because I always thought I was a person of faith but clearly with that <laughs> faith is in different things yeah. Isn't it? yeah honestly you'll be you'll be surprised the things that you sub that you'll be surprised at things that you put faith in unconsciously and mm-hmm. the things that you remove faith from unconsciously is, is, is a weird one. Like, for example, I know it sounds like very silly, but like sitting down on your chair, your chair could have mm-hmm. collapsed, but you just had the faith that your chair would not collapse. In fact, you didn't even think about it. You just know your chair won't collapse. But you, like you don't have to think about it. You're just like, it's not going to happen. You're going to mm-hmm. sit down, right? Mm-hmm. Anything could happen in, in that scenario. But then stuff like your relationships and, and that, we want you, you, I mean, you say you want to have faith in, in, in all these things, but then sometimes you may even try to control everything. You may not even operate from a place of faith. You may operate from a place of, of, of fear. And it's like, it's interesting the, the areas in which we just have unconscious, just faith in, in things and the areas where we remove faith unconsciously. But I think if you, if you were to, you know, just look at it and um, I guess, I guess have an introspection and look at what, the, what are the things that you're, you're giving control to and not giving control to, I think you might be interested to know that you could probably do things differently and see how that, that goes for you as well. But, but yeah, man. The philosopher. Boy, I've been called that as well, boy. I've been called that. 
Hey, <laughs> I love. I gonna say no to that. <laughs> I think for me, it's the the one thing I also want to know because more you've pretty much gone through the whole stages from individual boy, teenager, uh-huh. young young adult, young man, husband, and now father. Uh-huh. So we've talked about the kind of stages of all of those things. I'm interested to know. I, I guess you gave that example from the scene of my wife and kids about discipline. Uh-huh. What kind of things do you hope to bring? as a father into your household? I, I, I think one thing in particular that comes to mind is I want to challenge my kids and not like a, oh, so you're trying to fight me, like type thing, like, no, not like that. Mm. I, want, I want my kids, I want to challenge my kids to do better or do, um, do good. So I don't want to just ask them to do something. I want to challenge them to do it. Um, but, but I want it to come from a place where they don't fear me. I don't want my kids mm. to fear me. I think that's so whack when parents want their kids to fear them. I don't want my kids to fear me. But I want to challenge them to be able to do things better um, and to become better versions of themselves. Because um, as far as I'm concerned, like in this, in this material world, yes, my child is my child, but I don't own my child. Like, mm. in fact, it's, it's like, I'm, it's like my, child, I'm not, my child is not even on loan from God. Like, I don't own my child. <laughs> my child will go back to God eventually but like my child is always going to be God's but it's like I, I, I'm just here to do what I can if that makes sense yeah. and I can't live vicariously through my kid I can't force anything out of my kid um, I can't yeah I can't do any of those things but I think one thing that I definitely want to do is challenge my, my child to be better I don't know what that looks like on a on a circumstantial level like I don't know what type of circumstance I will look like but I think that's going to start early from like um if my kid does something i'll praise them i'll be like okay let's maybe let's see how we can do this a bit better type thing mm. um uh not all the time obviously sometimes i'll let them live in their in their triumph <laughs> like i'm not gonna not, i'm not gonna they're not gonna bring home like a an a and i'm gonna be like oh where's the right. a star type <laughs> thing? Like, I'm, not, I'm not gonna do any of that type of stuff um mm. but yeah i just want to see if i can challenge them to be a bit better but almost have them want it for themselves type thing but yeah i don't want to control my kid i don't i don't want them to fear me I respect that. I completely respect that. And just one more thing, though. In terms of being a husband now, I know it's been a year as a husband, a year and a few months now, and a a year and a few weeks. What has been one thing you've learned? Because it's different from when you're courting and when you're living together permanently. What is one one thing you've learned with your relationship as a husband now? One thing I've learned. Um... I think one thing I knew, one thing I knew going into marriage um, from like studying and doing marriage counseling and everything and, you know, just listening to people and seeking wisdom is that your marriage will hold up. In fact, any relationship but marriage more so because obviously you're in each other's space, especially if you live together, you're in, you're in each other's space and everything. It'll hold up a mirror to who you truly are and the habits you have and the things that you think are normal. Um, uh, and then the things that they think is normal. And then they, those, sometimes those things clash. Like for example, which way the toilet roll faces some like, or do you know what I mean? Leaving doors open or leaving cabinets open and stuff like that. I think one thing I've definitely like learned is, um, or discovered about myself is that I have a lot more to offer than I think I do. I, okay. I tend to think that I don't have that much to offer. And it's, it probably stems from, you know, um, what we were talking about earlier in terms of, you know, men being told that it's all about what you can bring to the table. I don't have as much material as the next man. I know that for sure. But I tend to, I, maybe sometimes I tend to place my value as a husband based on those things. But 
I actually have a lot more to offer than I think I do. Um, and I see it continually when it comes to like leadership and making decisions for the family. And it's not like it's a, oh, Phil, what should we do? And I say, oh, let's go here. It's more just like being preemptive and thinking about what, what things could happen in future. Um, and then seeing what, having plans for the family. Basically, I've, over the past year, I've, I think I've seen it in my wife's eyes that she looks at me as more of a leader now than I was a year ago. And that's something that I probably didn't see in myself. It's not like I didn't think I would grow at all, but I just thought that, um, you know, most of what I would have to offer as a husband would probably come materially. And that probably just comes from, um, stems from, you know, like having a father in your home, but they're not really present, but they provide. And like provision was the most important thing um, mm. to being a father, especially in some cultures, like provision is the most important thing. But it's definitely important. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say don't have, don't, don't provide for your kids, but I'm trying to say that you could do a lot more. You could, you could offer a lot more to your family than just provision and everything. And I'm realizing that I have way more to offer than I thought I did at the beginning of this. That's powerful, man. I, that, that's, yeah, that's, again, speechless. But <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot. And I'm, I'm really glad that you did that because you said that because it's so important because it comes down to how we view what, I, what we see ourselves mm-hmm. as how we identify ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I just want to round up by just talking about letting people know about the his sickle journey because Jeez. right there. And listen, if you can't see yeah. it, that means you're not watching video. So you need to <laughs> right away. So, but definitely what I, I know it's not the main focus of this, but when I came and I saw what you guys produced, Room 113, it shook me because I've got two friends that are, I've been sickless for the longest time and I've been to hospital where there was a one time where one of them almost there was no telling if she was going to make it and I remember she was saying her mom's just been praying so many times that she's been visiting her that it's sometimes when she gets a has a crisis the mom's almost preparing for the worst Uh case scenario which is very Uh scary so uh-huh. to see how you guys put together that film you and your team everyone in production David uh-huh. Lucci and every everyone that did the organizing the directing and everything and the cast it was amazing and uh-huh. it just what I saw from there was some people that had a vision and displayed it excellently uh-huh. so with that saying of course we started just kind of tying it all together we started when you talked about how for a time you thought if you weren't doing movies, you didn't have value, but eventually you realized you'd love doing it. Uh-huh. What would be your one thing to guys in terms of being able to walk according to purpose? Oh, um, I think the one thing I'd say, uh, if, if I could pick one, and it'll probably be the most important thing I could ever offer anyone, is stop trying to figure it out by yourself and like consult the manufacturer. Like, your consult the creator the creator has a purpose for you consult the creator stop trying to figure it out yourself and don't think that just because you're good at something that that's your purpose or that's what you're supposed to be doing that listen I'll, I'll, I'll be frank I'm good at so many things there's not many things I'm bad at I don't think I'm bad at anything but I chose to do film after consulting the creator if that makes sense so yeah. stop trying to figure I think stop trying to figure it out by yourself and pray about it speak to God and just be like listen God what what is the what are the, what are the plans you have for my life um and then what you find is that maybe the thing that you're most passionate about isn't a thing that um, you should be doing anyway. Like you may, maybe you're called to do something a lot, a lot more. Like for example, myself, 
super passionate about film. I can speak about film all day. I love it. Um, I'll do it if I'm not even getting paid. But on the same level, youth work. So like in my church now, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm a youth leader and I, and I lead the youth in my church now. So that's something that I really do care about. And it's something I didn't really realize that I actually care about until um, the last, maybe last couple of years. So I think my, my biggest thing about purpose and having a purpose in your life is consult the manufacturer um, because you have a purpose and you were designed for something. And just because you're doing something, that doesn't mean you're being optimal. Like, for example, I could take um, my laptop right now and start beating it and oh, like beating it with sticks and then it'll make a noise or make a sound, but it wasn't designed to be a drum kit. It was designed to do something more. You see what I'm saying? Or if, 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 a, if the leg on my table is, is uh, short, and I put my laptop underneath it, sure, it might level out the table, it might do, might do a job, but my, it was made to be something more than just that. Do you see what I'm saying? So yeah. just because you're doing something and it's functional, I mean, great, like, but you could possibly be doing more. And I think my biggest advice would be to consult the manufacturer because you, there's a purpose for your life. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it would be sad if you, don't, if you don't discover your purpose and live in it, but I feel like you could probably do yourself Everyone around you, your family, your future family, uh, your your colleagues, the world. I feel like you will do the world the best justice if you discover what that is for you. Um, that, for example, Mars Monroe said that um, the late Mars Monroe, he, he said that the the most the, the place with the biggest riches in the world is the graveyard because it's full of yeah. all these ideas that just went to the grave. Like I remember hearing that thinking, "Dang, like yo, like I, I can't, I can't Asking sit on you, all my we ideas." Came to you and you. Boy, Boy, I I remember I remember hearing yeah that was that yeah speech. but yeah that 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 would be my biggest advice man consult the manufacturer and stop trying to figure it out yourself. No, I love that man. Um, this has been brilliant. This has been absolutely brilliant. I've I've had so many times where I've paused just to beat what you're saying and <laughs> listen, it's powerful. It's 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 you can even make this into a sermon. I'm not even gonna lie to you, but yeah. I I just want to thank you for being open and not holding back I, I like the transparency and this is the part of course not everyone sees and not everyone gets to know they tend to see what is displayed in terms of the movie and all of those things and I love the fact that we have I'm able to use this platform to get people on board to talk about these things I'm so happy to have you here because I just hearing the journey the process and just the way you think because I listen to a lot of people but it's always different when they're distant and you have mm-hmm. no relationship with them mm-hmm. it almost seems unattainable because they're so far away and you have no conversation with them. But it's great to see how you've developed, Bill, man. It's amazing. Yeah. It's nothing but inspiring. And I know that every single time we're constantly growing. And I pray that God will continue to strengthen you and give you the grace to keep going. Because, boy, mm-hmm. you're inspiring so many people. And I know some of them may not even come speak to you like I didn't. Oh, wow. <laughs> but it's been oh, amazing wow. just seeing that journey all through. From the time I came mm. to the church event, Till now, boy, yeah. I've been looking, I've been watching. So that's, <laughs> that just goes to show that you never know who you're inspiring. Yeah, no, no, it's true. It's true. Honestly, yeah, it's been amazing. I will definitely, definitely, definitely love to have want us to have a bit more talk outside of this. But yeah. for the listeners and the viewers, how they like, how can they connect with you and the works, the things you do? Uh, I'll be frank. I'm not really on socials any- like that anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm just a bit like just to upload or post something or um, share some some content. Because uh, I, I, at the end of the day, I'm still a filmmaker. I have to promote myself, so I do post some stuff. But 
On socials, I'm Philosai, so P-H-I-L-O-S-S-A-I. That's Instagram and Twitter. Um, and that's pretty much it, really. If, if you find me on socials and then you want to connect with me even further, I can give you an email. I could probably even give you my number and we can talk. I'm, 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 I'm quite easy like that. But yeah, that's it for me. Amazing. And I just have to plug in Room 113 as well. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, Room 113. Put in a description. And just to let people know in terms of finally... What's one word you would say that you'd hope people to hold on to after this whole listening or watching of the podcast? Mm, one word, one word. Um, purposeful. Would be it relationships, be it what you want to do in this life, um, be it finding your purpose. Just be purposeful. Be purposeful with the people in your life as well. Don't think that they're just going to be around forever. We just had two years or two and a half years of uh, this COVID experience that's ha- that hasn't even ended and people are losing, people lost loved ones and everything. Yeah. Be purposeful with the people in your life. Be purposeful with your, with your, um, with your own purpose, with what you're trying to do career-wise. Just be purposeful. Don't, don't just like dilly-dally through life because everything will go way quicker than you expected it to. But yeah. Thank you. And thank you guys for listening. It's been Chinadim here with Phil Osai. Thank yeah. you very much. Make sure you get in touch with him. Philosai, Instagram and Twitter. We're 113official. The details will be in the description. And most importantly, we've had Phil Maker, we had Philosopher, and we had Phil the Preacher. Everything filled. Filled with how many... Listen, I'm losing words, but he's filled with all of it. <laughs> I love yeah, that. I love thank that. you so much for coming on the podcast, bro. Thank you for having me, man.